Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. My name is Tracy Ariel and I am unapologetically Canadian. So I am here talking with Doreen Pengrass, and she is the uh, chocolatour expert in Canada. Hi, Doreen. Hi, how are you today? I'm fine. So I noticed uh, I got my uh, newsletter just yesterday, and it seems that you were in Belize, is that it? Yes, I was in Belize in November of uh, 2018, and I went there specifically for the purpose of uh, learning about the cocoa uh, trade and and uh, culture in Belize because of course Belize has lots of Mayan people and the Mayan people are the ones who first were using cacao and uh, so uh, there's quite a, an interesting subculture there and Belize is really a growing force on the world of chocolate and cacao. Really? Um, so who? Yeah. How many places did you visit? It looks like you had a great time. I saw some beach shots. Yeah, um, I went with a fellow writer, Virginia Heffernan from Toronto, and we we did take uh, three days to specifically uh, spend on the beach in Placencia, and that was wonderful, but that's not a cocoa destination. Uh, We flew into uh, Belize City and then... um, took a small flight over to Punta Gorda, which is in Toledo district. And that is the heart of the cocoa country. So we spent some time with um, the uh, Penne, they're called Penne Cacao Consortium. And they're the ones who uh, brought me in uh, for this research trip. And uh, so they took us to, you know, some of their cocoa farms, showed us their uh, processing plant. It's and it's very um, modern and high tech. It's everything's new. Uh, where there's a lot of other smaller cocoa cooperatives where um, they're doing things in more of the traditional way. So I got to see both, uh, which was quite neat, uh, quite interesting. And I'm I'm looking at Belize as now being quite uh, one of the top uh, cocoa destinations to visit. Oh, wow. So what's the difference between uh, traditional production and uh, current production when it comes to cocoa? Okay. Well, like, say, for instance, when you think of, um, when people think of chocolate, they often think of, you know, Belgium and Switzerland and um, the, you know, more modern European countries who are making fantastic chocolate, but in a completely different way, because they're using large equipment and and it's, it's, uh, all quite mechanical whereas if you go to the countries where the cocoa is grown most often it's harvested in small batches by hand and then when it's processed it's processed by hand so um you know often they are still uh crushing uh the cocoa beans um you know with like a rolling pin you know the old style um you know mayan uh rolling pin uh, uh which is out of stone and so they're crushing it stone on stone and um it, it's wonderful because the aromas get uh, emitted as that happens and and then you know it's it's roasted in the sun and it's also very it's also very pure and fresh and it's it's just such a completely different 
world and got when I first went on my first cocoa trip, which is in 2009, I went to Belgium, France and Switzerland with um, Kathy Lieber. You, you and I both know her. She's a, a writer from Montreal, writer, editor. And, um, you know, the, the chocolate factory we went to in, in Zurich was massively huge. And, you know, it was it was very high tech and, and it, you couldn't really smell too much chocolate happening there. But when you're in the, you know, in the jungle and things are being done right with fresh uh, beans uh, that have just been harvested, um, it's just a completely different and intoxicating experience. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, it is. And in fact, I, I do think that, you know, within a year, I'll be leading my first um, overseas uh, kind of chocolate trip because I was trying to organize one a couple of years ago with a, a couple of different um, uh, tour companies. And we just couldn't somehow put it together. But I've been reapproached by one uh, here in Toronto in Canada that I'm really uh, uh, very respectful of. And so I think this time we'll be able to make it work. And uh, now I've done a number of uh, other countries since we were talking with them. And I think the way to make it work is to go to the jungle, to something um, very pure and real, as opposed to going to a more um, kind of developed country. Oh, wow. What a wonderful way to expand your uh, business too. Yeah. It's been fascinating yeah. watching your uh, creative entrepreneur life. Well, thank you. I, I, I really love doing the chocolate events. Um, you know, I've done speaking engagements at different chocolate, uh, chocolate events around the world and whatnot, but I've also been doing a lot of chocolate and wine pairings or just chalk, like mindful chocolate tasting events. And people really love those. So I do them every two, three months um, here in uh, Manitoba. And, and then I've done, you know, speaking engagements in California, Mexico, uh, Costa Rica, I've been to the Grenada Chocolate Festival and it, it, it's all those different experiences kind of add to my chocolate knowledge. And it's now been 10 years that I have been totally immersed in the world of chocolate and cacao. Well, and it's been really, you just introduced me to a new wonderful chocolate producer here in Montreal that I'm looking forward to going to visit. I can't believe the, uh, the, the you shared a sculpture, a chocolate sculpture, oh, a yes, voyageur sculpture that he made. Right. <laughs> Christophe Morel, yes, he's a, a real artisan and he works uh, as a chocolate ambassador for Cacao Berry, which of course is out of Paris and he's originally from Paris but Cacao Berry um, is really neat because they've helped create what you call a hybrid chocolate maker like there's chocolatiers who work with Couverture and so they're making chocolates their own creations but they're not working with the beans they're working with a, a kind of a finished product which they then melt and then make their own chocolates from. And then there's chocolate makers who work directly with the beans. Well, Cacao Berry has a chocolate lab in, uh, just outside of Paris where chocolate tears can go and actually create their own their own customized couverture. And so there's a lot of chocolate makers now in Canada and throughout the world that are are making creating their own custom blend through cacao berry and then they're making their own bars which are their signature bars like say for instance in um in in, in quebec you've got christophe morel doing that and then in um new brunswick there's adorable chocolat in shediac and in calgary there's the chocolate lab in calgary uh that is um making fantastic chocolate from their own custom blend 
of couverture that was created by cacao berry in France. It's, it's amazing. Oh, wow. And I mean, you really have become such an expert. It's fascinating. I mean, that uh, one of the, um, uh, you've really shown how specializing in a particular topic can change the life of a writer. And you know what, uh, that's what keeps me going. Um, because like, as you know, it, it's extremely difficult to make a, a living as a freelance writer right now, because so many people are writing for free or content mills where they're writing for practically nothing. I get offers all the time for my website to post articles for a dollar or for $5 or even for free. Like this is how desperate writers are to get money and exposure. But um, I've created this, this niche for myself of chocolate travel because, you know, as you know, I love wine and I love travel. So I was originally going to do a book, you know, 10 years ago about wine travel. But then I discovered there had been so many books written about wine travel, but nobody had ever done a book on chocolate travel. So I sort of have carved out my own niche. And I love that. But the, the thing that's made it difficult, though, is I'm neither strictly travel and I'm not strictly chocolate. So I kind of sometimes uh, fall through the cracks between those two camps because sometimes chocolate uh, writers think I'm writing just about travel. They don't really get, or chocolate companies, they don't get that I'm immersed in chocolate. And then travel people or destinations think I'm just playing with chocolate. So they don't really understand that I've created this niche and that it's now become you know, I'm doing a series of books on it and it, it, it is my profession. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I think as with all um, Mavericks, you know, you set off and then, and then you know, in, in, you know, a few years, there'll be all these people saying that they should do it just like you are doing it. Well, you, know? you know what? There are some, I've noticed some new players now uh, in the world that are, are doing a chocolate travel. When, when I started that, uh, and I kind of came up with that catchphrase, chocolate travel, there was actually one other writer in Florida who was, you know, sort of trying to forge that path. But I think she kind of gave up on it, I, uh, you know, because it is hard. Like I say, I've got to grovel all the time to get subsidized travel uh, so that I can do all this travel research for my work, you know, and I've done 20 countries now just for chocolate, you know. So uh, naturally, I can't afford to pay uh, for all that myself. So I, I go to the tourism boards most mostly uh, to get my um, uh, travel costs subsidized. But sometimes the cacao um you know, consortiums of producers or chocolate makers themselves realize the value of what I'm doing. And I have had um, some subsidized uh, travel uh, through those channels as well. So it's been, uh, I have had to exercise a very high level of creativity in order to sort of make the value of my presence known when I visit different destinations so that they will help me get there and then right. thereby um, spotlight their destinations and their chocolate world, you know. Right. And well, and also just on the business side as well, um, you started off by doing a Kickstarter campaign for your first book, which is also uh, not that easy to do as an independent, <laughs> you know. No, and it was actually to... Indiegogo. Um, it was Indiegogo. Oh, it was Indiegogo. Sorry. Yeah, because at that time, Kickstarter did not work with Canadians. Now they do. But they did not work with Canadians back in 2013 uh, when I ran my campaign. So I tell you, doing that Kickstarter campaign was the hardest thing, I, or rather Indiegogo campaign, was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life because 
it's so against, I think, most of our natures to ask people for money, you know. And and yes, I was talking <laughs> earlier about subsidized travel, but that's kind of different, you know, as opposed to asking people to make donations towards the publication of a book. And that's what I was doing because um, in my first volume of Chocolature, I had 61 color photographs. So I had to use coated paper to produce the book. And that was excessively expensive. So um, I raised $8,000 in 30 days, which I was quite proud of, you know, because the $8,000 pretty much covered all my costs for uh, putting out that first volume, uh, you know, hiring a professional editor, hiring a professional designer, and a very good quality printer. Um, I'm very proud of the book, and it did win a Reader's Favorite Award in 2014, so I was uh, quite proud of that. Yeah, and I have my copy. I'm very, very happy to have supported your, <laughs> your uh, specialization. I think it's a really uh, an awesome. And like as I said, as a, as a uh, colleague, it was really fun to watch you doing this process because I think all of us have to be much more uh, creative when it comes to, to creating a, 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 an entrepreneurial business in the world of writing these days. Yeah. 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 You do. And you know, that's something I've sort of struggled with, with other writers sometimes, because sometimes other writers think of writing as strictly being a creative, you know, endeavor. They don't look at it as being a business, but I came to writing from the business world. I worked in corporate communications for a large um, entity here in Manitoba. And so I came from the business world. And prior to working in communications, I was in underwriting and whatnot. And um, so when I started my freelance business back in 1993, it was intended to be a business, not, not just a creative endeavor, but a business. And so that's the way I've always looked at my writing um, as being a business. And it's difficult. Like, it's a very difficult path to take. But man, it's so fantastic. I love being my own boss. I love what I do. I love the creativity process. But I also love the people it's introduced me to. People like you, fellow writers that I love and adore, but also people in the world of chocolate and, and, and the farmers that are growing the cacao and all these wonderful destinations that have opened my eyes to such an amazing world. I am so grateful for all those opportunities. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, like uh, the entrepreneurial side of your business is actually really uh, uh, inspiring. I think it's a, a I, I think it's very important, particularly for Canadians, to understand that we are no we are marketing to the world. Yeah, and as an entrepreneur, that means that you have to be open to whatever whatever side the business world takes. You know, and and as we were just talking as we got onto this, how how open we have to be to to new technologies which is difficult when you're an older I mean I didn't grow up with computers even <laughs> I find all of this stuff very hard <laughs> that's exactly right like when I worked at at Manitoba Public Insurance you know, until 1993 when I took a buyout package and started freelancing so I didn't have a computer when I left there and I already had my first freelance assignment so I had to do my first freelance assignment still on the computers there at MPI and then um, right away, I had to get a computer and then I had to learn how to use it because, you know, I had to start earning income. And and, and since then, it's a very ongoing process. You can never sit back and relax and think, hey, I've got this because it's constantly changing. And, and um, I've now learned how important Pinterest is, you know, and it's become the second largest search engine in the world. And so for me, 
I'm going through um, 10 years of blog posts. I have ten, I've, I started my blog 10 years ago, and I started that because I was at a TMAC conference. That's the Travel Media Association of Canada. And the keynote speaker said to all of us there, you have to be on Twitter and you have to have a blog or you're nowhere. So I came home from that conference and I did both. I first of all started the, the Twitter account right away, but then I started working on, you know, getting my blog up and running. And um, so that's 10 years ago now. So I'm slowly going through all my posts and adding a pin, like a, a properly constructed pin not just because people have pinterest accounts and they just pin anything but you've got to have vertical images with great big text across them uh explaining what they are so that people can find things easily and so that's kind of been my latest uh technology learn is um how to use canva.com and pinterest uh to create these um images that help people find what i'm doing that's interesting because I'm doing something similar with Instagram and my blog, which I've also been running since 19. I actually, my first blog I created myself on out of HTML mm -hmm. <laughs> in 1993 yeah. because I, because yeah. at that time it was like, if you have, at that time we were just starting to talk about creating a digital asset library. And yeah. so, uh, but what you were trying to create at that time and what you're trying to create now are different. So I'm going through my blog and I'm updating the posts that, that should stay and I'm redirecting the ones that shouldn't. And by the end, I figure it's going to take me a full year to, um, to have it the way I want it, <laughs> you know, yeah, every well, week yeah, I just like, do a couple of posts, you know? Absolutely. Like I, it's an ongoing process. Like I started my first blog on blogger, you know, which is part of Google uh, back in 09. And then I quickly learned that blogger sort of wasn't uh, the most sophisticated blogging platform. And, and uh, the woman that is my um, social media um, and sort of my web manager behind the scenes, wonderful person I've been working with for quite a number of years now, she recommended I switch to WordPress. So I did switch to WordPress. At first, it was WordPress.com and then realized I couldn't run a lot of the plugins that she was recommending for me. So we migrated my blog over to wordpress.org and she did all that that tough uh, moving work you know in the background there and um we did, we, we redesigned the, the the what you now see under chocolatour.net is on wordpress.org and it's quite sophisticated and it's all thanks to Cheryl um, from behind the scenes that's really done a tremendous uh, job for me and making my my site look professional and global and then I had a Montreal based designer her name is Jennifer Cook and she designed this beautiful chocolate globe as my logo and I love it because it absolutely exemplifies what I do the world of chocolate chocolate globe she's so amazing I love her I do I love your logo I think it's a fabulous logo so Thank I, you. I, it's fun that you actually got someone from Montreal I'm telling you the world is small <laughs> and uh, no mine is on wordpress.org as well I think uh -huh. it's a crucial but I think every anybody who is in a in the creative world needs to have their own 
website that they control and then they can go to all these other social media platforms because you have no idea what the social media platforms are going to do over time. So you need to actually be your own boss, you know? Well, exactly. Because look at people who were using Google Plus. You know, I've always had a Google Plus account, but I hardly ever use that. But that platform is now no longer supporting blogs and they've shut down the Google Plus um, social media platform. And so I knew several bloggers who were using the Google Plus plugin for people to comment on their sites and whatnot. And I remember warning a couple of them, you know, Google Plus is not working well, like say with Mac, whatever, it wasn't very compatible. And, and they, you know, they sort of stuck with it until the very end when they had no choice, but to redirect their, uh, their blogs to different platforms, you know. Yeah, I've always had a Google Plus account as well. But because I've always redirected things from my blog, I didn't lose anything when it went under. And nor will I lose anything as Facebook continues to direct people away from its channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, you know, basically, it's become a pay to play situation now. So if you're not paying, then you're, you know, you're not getting any attention at all on Facebook these days. Yeah, I, uh, I do once in a while do like a sponsored post, a paid post on, on, on one of my, say on one of my blog posts, where if I mention it on my author's page on Facebook, I may have to pay 10 bucks or whatever to have some extra exposure on it. And I do that once in a while. If it's a really important post, that I want more people to see or whatever, all I will pay to play kind of thing. Um, but uh, um, no, normally I don't because I've got like a personal Facebook page. I've got my author's page. I've got Twitter where I've got 13 and a half thousand followers. And then I've got Pinterest where I'm up to about 82,000 in a reach, not, not followers because most people on Pinterest don't follow, but they, you know, so they, but you have these organic reaches that happen when you post to group boards and that's how oh, I have okay. my reach up to 82,000, which I'm very happy with. So again, that's a new thing that I had to kind of learn and really, um, you know, massage and, and tweak till I, I found that it's sort of starting to work for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I envy the young people who are kind of just coming in and all this just comes so easy to them. Whereas uh, people like you and I who've been around a lot longer, it's it, uh, it's hard. And I can really understand, pardon me, why older people shy away from this stuff, because it's mind boggling. It's yeah, it's it, I it spend is. hours. Yeah. <laughs> I really do spend, I'd say, a couple hours a day just on social media, you know. So it's part of my business. It's part of what I do, you know. And I know that some people pay uh, people to do uh, social media postings and commenting for them. But I don't believe in doing that because what I, I, I stand for is authenticity. And so in all my writing, it's all experiential. And so it's all about being authentic. So I have no interest in you know, paying somebody to represent me uh, on social media, I, I don't, I don't uh, like that approach. And I also no, no, no. Don't... I'd rather I, I have the same opinion. If 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 I'm commenting under my name, it's actually me. <laughs> Absolutely, and same thing. Even with posting, I don't use automated posting because I know some people do and maybe it works for them but I'm I'm like I really believe in being real and in the now kind of thing so I'm real <laughs> you know I don't yeah. do the I automatically I was automatically posting to Facebook um uh for uh different things but now it doesn't actually work <laughs> uh, because Facebook changed their algorithm 
Uh, oh. So I and I so I'm still automatically posting to Twitter if I do a blog uh, feed. But then I, um, I my Facebook strategy has changed in such that I'm starting to to play with Facebook Live, and I do um, I I do one or two posts. Uh, from my blog, and then I, I um, share everybody else's uh, posts, you know, and comment on them regularly. And if it makes sense to bring my post into something, then I do it quite, you know, as part of the conversation when it makes right. sense. I sort right. of decided to do it that way, um, to use it more almost as a, because I've always used it as a, fr- a friend and family platform and the advertising side. I only just created my notable nonfiction page and that has absolutely nothing on it because I created it last week because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I realized because yeah. now I've realized I'm going to create a, basically a strategy for Facebook that has that as an advertising platform. Uh huh. Which which I, I did not want to do under my own name. You know, I wanted to do a, a business page for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is it. There's so many different, you know, ways you can tweak things and whatever to kind of create your own authentic or whatever online personality. You know, it takes a lot of strategy and a lot of work to do that. But um, like I say, it's been 10 years now that I've really been actively, um, you know, kind of creating my brand. They call it your brand or your author's platform, Um, you know. And I remember when I was trying to get, you know, a, a publisher or an agent 10 years ago, um, when I when I was started Chocolatour, um, everybody said to me, oh, you don't have a big enough author's platform. You know, um, you, you haven't got any kind of brand recognition. So I have spent the last 10 years really quite actively working on that. And that's why I invested quite heavily in hiring, as we mentioned, Jennifer Cook, you know, to do a beautiful um, online presence for me, the logo and the banner, which is consistent across all social media platforms so that people can recognize me easily. Uh, and um, I think that that's really helped build my brand. And I'm continuing to, you know, to do different uh, things to to kind of get my name out there so that when my next book comes out, which will be this year, um, that it'll be a lot easier process than it was uh, for the first one where I was quite an unknown entity, even though that was my fourth fourth book um, and yeah. this will be my fifth when I yeah like it's you can never rest on your laurels you know like you have to <laughs> you have to keep working at it because especially like in my case where um you know like say the first book I did was a Frommer's guide and the second book was one of those um everything books that was published by McIntyre and Purcell and then the third one was the book on volunteerism which was published by um uh Dundurn in Toronto and then I decided to self-publish uh, when I did the first uh, Chocolate Tour volume. And, and I will uh, self-publish the second one because I do like having the control. It's a wonderful feeling, you know, uh, as any author will know, giving, you know, having a book is like giving birth. You know, it's your baby, right? And when yeah. you work with a publisher who isn't sensitive to that, it's almost like you're giving your baby up for adoption, right? Whereas when you self-publish, <laughs> No, it's true. You have no control. Like when I, when I published the volunteerism book, I had no control over what the cover looked like. 
Uh, the publisher didn't want to include any illustrations, and yet I had found a wonderful um, illustrator who created some fantastic illustrations, which would have helped me reach the target audience I was after, which was volunteers. Instead, they thought the book was a business book and wanted to market it to business groups and sites and what and if that wasn't the, the group I was writing it for I was writing it for people like you and me people who volunteer yeah. for nonprofit groups out of the, the their own commitment or the goodness of their heart not as a business endeavor you know so right. I learned from that book that having the control really does help you um, you know connect better with your audience which is so key in in the world that we're in now anyway um and plus yeah. there are, it gives you an opportunity to show people behind the scenes as you go which i think is also uh very important when do you think you're like you're saying that it's going to be 2019 that chocolate is it going to be chocolate tour 2 or do you have another title or do you know well, I've got to stick with Chocolatour because that is my brand, right? Chocolatour, the, the word Chocolatour is my brand. Um, it'll be the subtitle that is still, I'm, I've still got, I've got so many different subtitles that I'm sort of throwing around in my mind. And so I may um, ask my readers, you know, to uh, vote on uh, on the top On a six. subtitle. That's a great idea. I'm looking forward to uh, clicking on the on the quiz. Yeah. 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 Because you know what? I've got several, like I say, they're all good. I like them all, but um, I got to stick with chocolate tour, but the subtitle is definitely a, a kind of a work in progress. So you know what, because I am my own boss and because I'm in full control of this book, I'm not going to rush myself. I really had intended to have it out last year, but then my husband's health took a really a bad turn for the worse and we had to get him into the public care system and that took so much out of me and now you know he's safe and he's you know stable and now I can kind of get back um, into my own work and my own life but I don't want to push myself too much because then it takes the fun out of it and you know chocolate has to be fun right if there is no fun in chocolate then why bother so I'm not going to push myself I'm going to work at it at my own speed and hopefully it will be um, out. I'm hoping by summer to have the ebook out and the printed version by fall. That's my goal. And I hope I will be able to achieve it. I am already working with um, a person who um, is very good at ebook conversions. And um, we're starting on the second volume already. Um, she's um, um, merging the A to Z guide from volume one with the new A to Z guide from volume two to create a mega A to Z guide, which will be part, uh, you know, an integral part of volume two. Um, so she's working on that right now. And a lot of what I've put on my blog will be migrated into the new book, you know, the highlights of and other information that I didn't put on the blog. So I've got a lot of that already in progress. And then I've just got to update some chapters like the health benefits chapter will be updated because that's such an important chapter. It will it, it will be key and I'll have a chapter on sustainability and um, important issues like that. But then also, you know, some of the fun stuff like chocolate spa which are are now an obsession of mine <laughs> I'm sure oh my gosh I love chocolate spas <laughs> yeah. oh uh, um yeah no it's uh it's been a pleasure talking to you I have uh you know I have my final question but was there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to to, to talk to people about 
Well, I uh, I love uh, talking with people about chocolate uh, always and it forever. So uh, people are welcome to get a hold of me. Uh, you know, uh, sign up for uh, you know my website. It's free, and you get all kinds of fun information about travel and the world of chocolate travel. Um, and and uh, feel free to contact me with questions they may have. And uh, I love uh, expanding my reach because um, a, lot, a lot of chocolate lovers are the ones who uh, alert me to to new companies and new trends um, that I may not have heard of. I can't possibly hear of everything around the world. So it's great that people, um, you know, get in touch with me and say, hey, have you heard about this or that? And I'm always very grateful, uh, you know, to hear from that. So um, if you can um, uh, give people my URL or do you want me to say it now? Uh, uh, you know, no, just no, no. Wanna... Uh, you can say it after the last question because uh, okay. that will be the final. And then I will also put it in the show notes. But Perfect. Um, my last question, as you know, is always, do you consider yourself a Canadian? And if so, what does that mean to you? I am as Canadian as you can be. I was born and raised in Winnipeg, and I have lived just outside of Winnipeg uh, my entire life. Well, I mean, I moved outside of the city in 1982 because I love to be connected with nature. And I found uh, being in the city, it was just too much hustle and bustle. So I live an hour out of the city now, and I absolutely love it. I'm right by Lake Winnipeg, and it's a, it's a resort community, but it just keeps me so connected with nature. And uh, that's what I really love about Canada is that we do have so much, um, you know, natural, natural world out there that's not just filled with mega buildings and noise pollution. Oh, my God. And I, I, I belong to Toastmasters and the Toastmaster this week was talking about how the pollution in the big cities, the air. I don't know if you heard this or not, but babies in Delhi, India begin getting lung cancer the day they are born and they are having many many people now young people age 18 and whatnot getting lung cancer in in some of these large cities like delhi mexico city whatever because the babies are born inhaling polluted air from the moment they touch this earth so how luck how lucky we are to be in canada where we have clean air and i have my own well my own fresh water and i i I just feel so in control in my life because of that that i have clean air and clean water and i'm so grateful to god that i have that at my disposal that i have that to keep me safe and happy and in touch with people that care about each other and about nature and about the world. That's a great answer. That's a great (laughs) answer. (laughs) Fresh air and water is kind of a crucial point and shelter. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I have a modest home, but I love it. And it's got, I work in my loft upstairs here, my my artist loft, my writer's haven here with great big, beautiful windows. And I just feel so connected to nature because I have a little deck off my office on the second floor here. And if I ever just want to step out, uh, I've got I've got a screen door that, you know, I have open three seasons of the year. And I just I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so grateful that I have this beautiful world to live in. <laughs> um, and how can people get in touch with you? Well, I live in Manitoba and I'm open to the world, uh, you know, via my website. So uh, it is HTTP colon backslash double backslash chocolatour. So I'll spell that C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-O-U-R 
chocolatour.net, chocolatour.net. And you can get a hold of me there. There's a contact page. There's a couple of about pages that talk about me as an individual and about Chocolatour, the brand. And they contain slideshows. So I encourage people to take some time to visit the about pages because especially the about um, a page on Chocolatour has quite an extensive uh, slideshow and the one uh, on About Dream does as, uh, as well, uh, but a, a smaller one. But they give you an insight as to my world of uh, chocolate travel and the world of chocolate and cacao that I'm trying to share with the world. Oh, well, thank you. That was a great conversation. Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Notable Nonfiction. Notable Nonfiction teaches people to grow through their own ingenuity. Find out more at notablenonfiction.com. Slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.